I found that being a game cop fan was pretty tough. Oh, R.I.P. EVH. And welcome to episode 24 of Cox by 90. I am your host, Show Me Your TDs. Bringing you a little energy because, my goodness, the cocks have been bringing us down. Some might say that we're running with the devil right now with Will Muschamp leading the ship. Eh, I might say it's not so bad. I might say it's not so good either. But I'll tell you, it ain't as bad as it looks like it is. What's that saying? Things aren't always as bad as they seem. They're not as always as good as they seem. I'll tell you this right now. Our Gamecock football team is the epitome of that saying. And I just, I hate to dive right into it, but let's just go hit it head on, right? You just lost the number three team in the nation by 14 points at Florida in the swamp at noon, 18,000 fans in this crowd. But you had a chance, and I think that's what frustrates Gamecocks fans the most. We had an effing chance. You know, this episode, I'll tell you right quick. We'll talk about the Florida game. Picked up a big commitment today. You all are listening to this on Friday, so it would be yesterday for you all. But picked up a nice commitment out of the state of Alabama we'll talk about too. And we'll put Florida behind us because we got to look ahead. We got to look ahead at the schedule. Like we've talked about, those three three game pockets that I told you all last episode to focus on. We're 0 1 now in that first three game pocket. So we'll look ahead to Vandy, look ahead to some bright spots, and let's see if we can turn the ship around. I think we can. I hope we can. But let's talk about this Florida game. You know, it's frustrating as a Gamecock fan because you had an effing chance. And that's what's frustrating. You see us keeping it close. We tie the ball game. That Shy Smith touchdown. Nine minutes, nine minutes and 31 seconds left to go. In the second quarter, we tie the ball game with Florida. We're tied with the number three team in the nation. We have an effing chance. Hold them to a six or... I wouldn't say hold them. We held them to three points, but it was a six-minute drive, so did wear down the defense. We're not, we don't have a tons of depth, but we've got depth. So they run a six-minute drive, kick a field goal, win. That's a win for the Cox. And this is where people on Twitter started unfollowing me like I was the plague. Because we get the ball with three minutes and 30 seconds left. And we have every opportunity to run a methodical drive, just as we had did in that second quarter, mixing a good run. It was a good mix of run and pass. And you all heard me before the season started. Are we going to be a 50-50, 60-40? Where are we going to run? What are we going to do? And I think we found the bell cow in Kevin Harris, but we get the ball. Three minutes and 30 seconds left. As an offensive coordinator, your team, your defense has just been gassed for six minutes, held them to a field goal, huge win. You've got wide receivers dropping the ball like flies, 
and I and I believe it's a respectable play call on first down to try and hit that deep post. I really do. I think that hey, it's a Spurrier type mentality. You hit him or you saved him with three points. You try and hit him with the big play to come out. I respected that. Xavier Leggett can't catch a nosebleed. I mean, it's just, it's sad. So then, second down, though. This is, and, I, and I'm focusing on this drive because this is where it all turned. This is where it all turned for every Gamecock fan. You have Kevin Harris who had been pounding the football. Your offensive line is playing, to that point, the best they had played all season. And you pass it again on second down. Incomplete, without eating any clock. And you leave yourself a third and ten. And a third and long. So, I tweet out, and I think, you know, Again, this is where people who understand football will understand what I meant by it. Mike Bobo cost us a touchdown. Mike Bobo essentially cost us a touchdown. And people were like, he doesn't even play defense. He's not even on the field. Well, listen to this. As an experienced offensive coordinator in the SEC, you have to understand your defense was just on the field for six minutes. They got gassed. Our defensive line depth isn't exactly the top tier of the SEC, it's getting better, and you run less than 25 seconds off the clock. So not only do you give the ball back to Florida, you give the ball back to Florida with a gassed defense. There was no doubt in my mind once we put the ball that Florida was going to go down and score a touchdown. No doubt in my mind. The defense didn't have enough time to catch their breath. And you look back at Bobo... (laughs) What I would have done differently. The first down play call is fine. Take a shot. That second down play call, you absolutely run the ball. You make sure you're eating time off the clock after that second play. No doubt about it, that's what you do. And you didn't do it. Let's say you run the ball right up into the dang guard's butt. Who cares? You're still eating that 40 seconds off the clock. The 35 seconds off the clock. You're getting it down to close to two minutes when you're going to run that third play. You don't do it, and guess what? You give Florida all the time in the world. They score touchdown pass to Kyle Pitts, who literally looks like Megatron out there against our DBs. And you're down 10 points going into half. And when you should be, at worst case, down by three or going in tied. So yes, Mike Bobo did cost us that touchdown at the end of the second half. And I don't care what anybody thinks. That's the logic behind it when you examine a little bit further. And you look in the second half, and you also, this is what frustrates me the most. Mike Bobo knows they get the ball first in the second half. He knows that. So not only do you have to know you can't give the ball back to him quick right there, Because if you do, you could potentially staring down a 17-point deficit when in reality, worst case, it should be a three or a tied ball game when they get the ball back in the second half. Sure enough, go down. We held them, which was nice. And then again, our offense sputtered frustratingly to watch. But... 
they go and score. They, they, they literally put the game out of reach, right? At that point, you're down 24. You know, I don't know what type of, you know, what, I don't know what Gamecock team, again, in my memory, is going to come back from 24 points. But you go down 24. You kick a field goal down 24, I guess, to make it to 21, which ultimately, you know, I guess I, I don't know. You can look at it as you're going to have to kick that field goal eventually, or if you got three touchdowns and three two-point conversions, where if you're looking at the statistics and the probability, that's probably not going to happen. But, you, hey, you claw back. You make it a respectable game. Kevin Harris goes for 100 yards. Shy Smith, I'll eat my words. Shy Smith's looking like a number one receiver. I didn't think between the attitude, work ethic, and just things you hear behind the scenes that he wasn't he could he has the potential to put it all together and he's showing it, but I didn't expect him to be leading like he is right now. He's got a fire mentality to him. So again, hey, averaging eleven receptions a game, close to a hundred yards. Again, you know, and eclipsed the hundred yard mark against Tennessee. So all in all, again, I don't want to dwell on the Florida game because it's a game we knew we were going to lose. Shoot, I think, you know, when I was here with Gator Paul last week, we were talking, I, my prediction was 35-24. We lost 38-24. I'm not patting myself on the back. All I'm telling you is I think you're going to expect to see this Gamecock team score 24 to 27 points. What I didn't expect, and this is what's frustrating me the most, from a Will Muschamp coached defense is that you're giving up back-to-back games over 30 points to Florida and Tennessee. Florida, you can expect them to go for 30. I thought if we could have held them like to maybe 28, we give ourselves a chance. We didn't do that. And again, hey, we dropped that touchdown. And I mean, all you all probably are saying, why aren't you talking about the seven-minute drive to end the game? Because... I don't want to ever imagine that that happened in my lifetime ever again. We ran that last drive like we had a fifth quarter. It's like, hey, we're going to huddle up at the end of the fourth quarter, and we're going to play a fifth quarter. Our team was pumped about the fifth quarter. Our coaches were excited as hell about the fifth quarter. We're going to win this fifth quarter. That fifth quarter was the bus ride home, boys. And it's frustrating. But back to defense, man. That's where... That's where it hits me. That's where it hits me hard. It hits me deep, deep inside. The defense, man. Oh. You know, you see promising things. I can't. Why Pickens isn't starting is, is blowing my mind. I, I, I literally can't wrap my little head, big head around it. But it was great to see Tonka Hemingway get in there playing well. It was great to see Birch continuing to play well. It's great to see a guy like John Dixon step up and have a big game when we needed him to. It's great to see Izzy get a pick that, quite frankly, he probably shouldn't have got. That was a tough catch. Maybe we need to put him on offense. But still, just too many breakdowns in the secondary. I'll tell you this, too. We were missing and I mean missing Sherrod Green. No doubt about it. Damani Staley, again, nothing, nothing against him, 
But Sherrod Green has played SEC football for the past couple years. He hasn't been playing on special teams. He's been playing a starting linebacker in the SEC. And there were many of times, and that Tony run is one of them, where you saw him attacking... You saw him attacking that side. And again, I saw it again on the first series. But you saw him attacking that weak spot in the linebacking core. Couldn't At the point of attack, we were getting taken three or four yards. And it was just frustrating to watch. Ultimately, Florida's a good team. I expect them to be contending in the East. I think it's going to be a hell of a dang cocktail party for Florida, Georgia. And, and, and we're not as bad as we seem. We're not as good as we seem. We're quite, quite frankly, we're a middle-of-the-pack SEC team. And when you look ahead at the schedule, you have to look at in these three-game pockets. We've got Vandy this weekend. You've got Auburn home game the following weekend. Are those two winnable games? I think Vandy's absolutely a winnable game. Now, is Auburn a winnable game? You're probably saying, show me. You're crazy if you think that's a winnable game. Auburn's top 20 in the nation. We haven't been a ranked team in 10 years. Well, you all might be right, but I like to think that this team is not as bad as it seems. So that being said, I think this weekend you go to Nashville, you pound the football, you get Colin Hill in a nice rhythm, you hopefully get some other receivers outside of Shy Smith catching the ball and feeling comfortable, coming back home, knowing you're coming back home the following week, and you come to an Auburn team that's, meh, meh. They got their ass pounded in against Georgia. So I expect this team to go beat Vanderbilt, come back home with a little chip on their shoulder, facing a ranked top 20 team, and the Auburn Tigers. And I think we're going to have a better chance than the experts think. Just my opinion. But if you look at it in these three game pockets, if you beat Vandy and you beat Auburn, you went two and one in the first pocket. And you're sitting at two and two, heading to LSU, which is a team that's quite frankly not impressive at all. And when you're not having to play Death Valley with 100,000 screaming fans or 90,000 screaming fans, it's not as an intimidating place as it might have looked before the schedule started or the season started. So you have an LSU. You come back. You have a bye, which is probably a much-needed bye at this point. You catch Missouri – or sorry, you catch A&M after the bye, which is a team – that you haven't beat since they've joined the SEC. Winnable game. Texas A&M is no world beater. Absolutely a winnable game because you're at home. And then you go at Ole Miss. So if you look at that another three-game stretch, you're probably like, damn, I'm tired of hearing you talk about these three-game stretches. This season is going to be won and lost in these three-game stretches. At LSU, at home against Texas A&M after a bye, and at Ole Miss. This is the one out of the three pockets where you're probably more than likely going to have the one and two. But on the back end with Missouri, Georgia, and Kentucky, the way Kentucky's playing, the loss to Ole Miss, Missouri, 
I mean, my God, it's Missouri. And then you got Georgia at home. I just think it's not as bad as it seems. And I think that there's still a salvageable season and a respectable season ahead. So looking at Vandy, right? What do we got to do? Pound the football, catch the ball, and get your defense a little bit of confidence. You do those three things, you come out with a W. I think this is a great opportunity for our team on defense. Again, you what was it, two turnovers last week, caused a fumble, caused an interception. Build off that momentum, cause a couple turnovers, get your freshmen in the game, and I think there could be a nice big win at the end of the tunnel. Not a small win, but a big one. If you got a little bit of change in your pocket, I mean, it's just clattering around. It's tinkering around. It's like a couple quarters. I would say hammer the cocks. And I don't mean sprinkle it. I don't mean just a penny or two. I mean hammer the cocks this weekend. I'm looking at this game, and I'm thinking, we're going to put up some points. We're going to get past that 27-point mark. If I'm giving you a prediction, because I love predictions, I think this is one where our defense will come to play. I think our offense will come to play. I think we'll eclipse 30 points for the first time this season. And I'm looking at a 31, looking into my crystal ball, will this defense show up? I'm looking at a 31-14 Gamecocks W this Saturday. My God, it's another noon game, too. Auburn's a noon game. Can't dang, fight ourselves out of a wet paper bag for a dang noon game. But that being said, 31-14, Cox, this Saturday, all will be right in the world come 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll be enjoying, enjoying some nice beverages and getting ready to watch some more great football. And I'll be having my fingers crossed and my toes crossed for what will hopefully be a nice, big upset Saturday night. By the you. By the you. That would be something great to see. There's a lot of great football on this weekend. I am just, you know, it's nice and... As a Gamecock fan, sometimes it's nice just to get the game out of the way at noon, especially on an away game, because there's a ton of great football. Florida and A&M, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia. I think that's really going to be a measuring stick for us to understand where do we sit in the pecking order. Now, if Tennessee gives them a good game, and that is at home against Georgia, again, I don't think you're going to say, hmm, Maybe we're not as bad as everybody on Twitter says we are. It's going to be a fun day to watch some football. And then at night, I'll be cheering for do you harder than I've ever cheered before. Because they're a team that, I mean, Clemson, they've walked into some of these games in years past 
with ranked teams, ranked, you can put them in, you know, quotation marks, ranked teams from the ACC. And you thought that they might have had a chance. This is the first team that might actually have an effing chance against the Tigers. So, Saturday's looking like a good time. I'm excited. I think we're all going to be excited to pull out our first W of the season. I really don't see too many. Again, looking at Vanderbilt, looking at some of their games, I think, you know, again, they've held it tough against LSU. I think we're, uh, quite frankly, I think we're kind of like what LSU is. I think we'll be able to beat them by a couple touchdowns and a field goal. I think hammering that line makes a ton of sense for a ton of different reasons. And it'll be nice to take a W back into the stadium against Auburn for another noon game. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun to get the kegs and eggs out after a W against Vandy and be looking to go even on the season. So I'm excited there. How about a little recruiting? So Radarius Thomas out of Alabama, a state that I told you all back in June and July, I said we were getting five guys out of the state. We're at three right now. 6'1", 185, wide receiver. We beat out a boatload of big-time teams for this guy. Austin Peavy, Coastal Carolina, Missouri State, North Alabama. The old Tennessee State offer really is a tough one when you're looking at it. But we overcame them. We secured the commitment. Again, I think this is another guy. You're going to live and die by an evaluation. From what, and this is why I've told you all in the past about the state of Alabama and why I had a good feeling we get five guys. From who everybody I've been talking to, we have really recruited that state well, thanks to Bobby Bentley and a number of other coaches. But quite frankly, he's been building some inroads there. And I was told that that state, again, always produces some good talent. And Alabama and Auburn, they're national recruiters. They're not going to be sitting there just taking all the Alabama feeders. They're going out west. They're going down south. They're going to Florida. They're going to Florida and getting their fast prospects. We'll take somebody out of their backyard. And I think we do a pretty good job taking people out of the state of Alabama and turning them into big-time football players. So I'm, like, I'm excited to see what Rodarius Thomas can do for our team. Again, that, it gives you a stacked group of wide receivers that are considered wide receivers in our class. A lot of them are athletes, and we've been talking about athletes. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that tree shakes out come December in February. I know a lot of people want to know about Trigg. What's Mike Trigg going to do? I told you last episode, things aren't looking good. He did make the trip out west. All indications point. He's heading to Southern Cal and joined the Trojans. I will say if you all, and this is, this would be probably some of my diehard listeners caught this. If you all listen to me on the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast with Cockfather and Mr. Blonde and Cinderella, I told you all this about Trigg. And I, and I was told this, again, inside, that Mike Trigg, we might not have taken another wide receiver because we were looking at Trigg as potentially having a wide receiver-type impact on our board. Rodarius Thomas tells me pretty much all I need to know about Trigg and what's going to happen with his commitment. Very unfortunate. Southern Cal sold him on being a wide receiver, 
in their system, putting up big numbers. If you saw his ESPN highlight, it doesn't look like he gets covered much in high school. So maybe that'll happen in the Pac-10 out west. But you know, good for him, man. If we're not gonna, you know, if we're not gonna be able to close like we should, and it's gonna be tough with this staff closing. It will be very tough with this staff closing. Because if you're battling these losses and you're battling the GoFundMe's for Will Muschamp's buyout, and you're battling the message board heads and the Twitter heads that are saying fire Muschamp, that ain't doing nothing for your program. You know, it is, you know, quite frankly, if you feel that way, it's probably not best. Maybe write a letter to Ray Tanner. Maybe don't post it all over your tweet feed. Because that stuff just bulletin board material for other programs to use. Hey, Will Muschamp's not even going to be there. Why would you even want to go play for that guy? So, glad to have Rodarius Thomas on board. Another Gamecock. We'll see how the class finishes up. It'll be interesting. But again, hey, you got Vandy this weekend. I'm keeping this episode short and sweet. We hit what we needed to at Florida. The end of that second half ultimately turned that ball game. You got Vandy this week. You got to do what you need to do. 31-14, get you a nice big win. Win you all a little bit of money out there. And then get ready for Auburn to come back to our house and pick up that first ranked W in a long time. If you all get a chance, I'm about to hop on the Michigan by 90 I think it's Wolverine by 90. I'd have to look again. I'm hopping on their podcast tonight. It'll come out tomorrow. So check that out. Again, I've got a ton of CB90 shirts left. They're going like hotcakes, but I did I did get quite a few of them because I knew it'd be a hot commodity. So hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to get one. I've been shipping them out, sending the tracking, taking care of my people. And again, I love you. I love you all for, again, tuning into Cox by 90 being a loyal fan, and let's shake this place.